Hello, sweetie. Welcome to the next episode of Spare Pratt, where we're talking about the Diary of River Songs, Series 6. Her theme song is banging. It is a great theme song. Oh, oh. Hello. Sorry to startle you. I've been assigned to Totters Lane. Temporarily. WPC Pond. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Diary of River Song, Series 6. Call me River. Really? An unusual name. Almost Romany. Nah, well, that's what we call aerobics. <laughs> that was fun, Miss Song. What sort of gun is that? A very good one. But sadly, it won't hold them back forever. So what do we do? We haven't got time for this. Silence! She's trying to save you. She's space animal welfare. I said silence. Sir! Sir, they're ready this way! Get back! Open fire! Seize her! She must not escape! Henry? Miss Song, are you following me? Mr. Jago and... River Song. Charm. You get here earlier and earlier, Chang. Well, you know what I always say. If in doubt, shoot it! Big finish. We love stories. The audience is crying out. Please hear their stark entreaty. I'm listening. It's flattering, but nothing doing, sweetie. I cannot wait. I have to go. Goodbye and au revoir. Today's choice of story was from Joe. So, Joe, what did you think of it? I thought they were marvellous. And the theme tune was banging. <laughs> we just steal that. Yeah, you, you can have that. You can have that one. <laughs> no. No, I've stolen it from Chris. Chris, you can have it. You have it back. I thought they were really good. I'll take my bang back. Thank you very much. <laughs> have your bang. I thought the the stories were excellently put together. I really like River Song. She probably used her lipstick over much, but I'm not really caring. <laughs> That's probably my short review, Stuart. Chris. I really enjoyed it. In terms of each individual episode, I thought the second and the third one were the strongest. Fourth one, the least, but again, we'll get into that. I know. I'm just going to have to say it, Chris. I'm wrong. You're wrong. I'm going to get in a t-shirt for con, honestly. Chriswrong.com. How can you, how can you, the one with Henry Jago, like, Henry Jago, I can't even say it now, Henry Gordon. Henry Jago. I think that this is something that Doug and I are going to say, because I think we're going to have a different view on this box than you guys because we know the stories that they're all linked into. I really liked it. Unlike you guys, I'd heard it before. I loved how it linked into the old Doctor Who's, but the one I was most intrigued of, and Joe and I spoke earlier this week, and we both came to the conclusion Doug was going to hate it. So, Doug, what did you think? When you told me at the end of the last episode that the next story, not even story, it was going to be four stories, wasn't it? 
were all going to be River Song stories, my heart fell. I haven't <laughs> rewatched any of the River Song episodes from New Who because I absolutely hated the character of River Song. So I have to say, I was not looking forward to listening to these stories in the slightest. Having said that, and <laughs> what you guys have all said about linking into old stories, I had no idea. I was just assuming all these stories were going to be New Who type stories with River Song, who to me is all teeth and curls and spoilers, darling. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what it was oh, in no. particular I didn't like about River Song, but I think one just lots of things did, didn't take my book. So, long story short, this was going to be difficult listening, I thought. But because it all harked back to four different, the first four doctors and pre stories to four tales that I knew, that drew me in. And, well, You'll find out what I thought of them overall at the end, I think, because we just wait to put this. So what you're saying is, is is that a spoilers? I think we should maybe preface this whole whole episode with spoilers. I didn't expect that to begin with. I mean, obviously with Unearthly Woman, it was going to be in some way harking back to the Hartnell years and all that kind of stuff. Like it was kind of made itself a bit obvious. But for me, coming into it, looking at the story titles, not a Scoobies, it was going to be prequels, like concurrent stories and all that stuff for classic episodes, which was a, a quite a delight. Let's start by going through each individual story then. We'll start with the first one, which, as you said, An Unearthly Woman, written by Matt Fitton. It starred the Adventure in Space and Time cast, playing the roles that were originated by actors who either aren't acting now for the most part or, or sadly no longer with us. I think only Caroline Ford is still actively recording and I haven't actually seen anything new from her for a while and obviously there's a lovely little cameo Spoilers by David Bradley I really enjoyed that because I just I like hearing David Bradley's doctor or interpretation of Hartnell I just think it's lovely and he's really just obviously he's a great actor anyway but he just does a really nice job and plus it wasn't overstayed it was just kind of like oh here he is passing by not saying anything just doing his thing just cutting about being grumpy did enjoy River Song going on about how young he was <laughs> yes. Uh, one thing I particularly liked about this episode is, you know, I like spoilers, like canon, I like nuggets, I like Easter eggs. There was a lot of subtle ones that it didn't go like, like Barbara's speaking about going to South America and like, well, you will. There's an episode called it, The Aztecs. And it's like, yeah, I like that sort of stuff. I, I enjoyed the fact that she was PC, WPC Pond as well. Oh God, yes. <laughs> the references to Amy Pond. They're even calling us outright calling us a melody pond. It's like, oh my days. Didn't expect that. Is that a regular thing throughout the other ones? I wonder. I think she's generally down the river, but you know, I think it, it you know, it made a bit of sense. And in fact, was wearing her mum's old costume. I think wearing your mum's old sexy outfits is a bit kind of weird. Actually, that's a good point. That's a good point. That is a bit weird. Yeah. So like, did oh. your mum's kissagram outfit. Yeah. See, I'd completely forgotten that River Song was the daughter of Ms. Pond. Wiped all that from my mind as well. But I pretty much wiped Amy Pond from my mind because, well. Oof, hot take from Doug. Well, no, no, double, I, does, double Doug does not like ponds. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. What about Rory Pond? Rory, yeah, he was all right. I'm going to come up again, start with my little bit of another hot take. Didn't think much of the villain. I think the villain was there to hang the characters on rather than to be a strong story. Okay, it felt more of a, just a. Here's a monster. It's a thing. It's almost unidentifiable. And they, they tried to describe it in a few different ways, but interdim- like interdimensional, spooky-wooky slash 
cloud of smoke and an over teeth. I don't know. It's just just a whole lot of nothing. I think of the four stories, it was probably the weakest reason for, or the the, re, the weakest baddie or uh, enemy or whatever, however you want to classify the uh, antagonist of the four stories. I think it's probably why the others work so well because they hang on from the villains or at least the situation of actual episodes, whereas Unearthly Woman is just almost a prequel to Unearthly Earthly Child in a way. So since there was no real villain of that episode, it's the, the first episode. There was no baddie. Yeah, I think that's that's the issue with choosing this episode. And I, I, I presume that they wanted to choose this episode because it was the first one and that's what the, they wanted to base the story around. But because, as you say, the first, the, well, the rest of the story is cavemen, isn't it? But the first episode is, is UK London-based. So it wasn't a, a baddie in this. It was a meet the characters, get the characters together story, like a lot. Like every first episode is, I guess, but any any series. So there was no coming slightly before the main story where the baddie turns up and, and the doctor actually solves the problem, which I think was true of all the other three stories, really. Yeah, it was true of the other three. So, yeah. so I think, you know, if they'd chosen a different first doctor story, then there may well have been a, a better baddie. It, I don't think it harmed the episode at all, though. That's one thing. I mean, it just became it just a different experience about compared to what we're going to listen in the next three. And again, it was, it was one of these ones, it was like kind of a, I want to say, a, it's a pop piece. As I was saying before, like, like Marvel poppings and all like it's a pop over plot, that sort of stuff. Whereas it's like, here's, oh, he's, here's Ian. Oh, Barbara, oh, I want to go travel. Like, oh, we know you will. It's just, we as the audience know a lot more than the characters. And obviously we see that through River, who obviously knows everything. And it's just nice to see a bit more from like Susan and stuff, like giving her a bit more, fleshing out is how her experience of Cole Hill was because again we just don't really see it as far as I'm aware not seeing all the heart little stuff so no I mean I, th- I think you're right I think actually that this one is the only story in the set which isn't the it, they're not part of the main story as we know it in all the others River is part of an existing story that we longer term fans will all be aware of whereas in this one she's popping up before the Unearthly Child story so this is more of a prequel than an actual taking place within part of the story what do you think, Joe? I'm just nodding. Nodding's good. Fair, yeah. fair, fair. Was, I, I'm assuming, Joe, there's no harm blowers on uh, this one. No, I think we get further in before any sort of... There's no full harm blowers, I would say, in any four, for which I am most disappointed. But given that I hadn't actually put my request in before they wrote it, it's probably fair. But I think there are some that come further on in our journey. Unless, yeah, Jamie Glover is not till later, honestly. Just checking. No, Jamie Glover. Oh, this one? one okay. Well, we have a semi yes. half has in horn blower. So he was in Holby City, but I can't confirm at what time he was in Holby City. So he may or may not have played alongside Hugh Corshi, who is a full horn blower. <laughs> so it could be a half. And that's what we'll be, to but it's you know it's fine. There's a few Holby Cities. There's a press gang later on. Which is also a, a, a semi-horn blower as well because of Julia Sawala. Julia Sawala, who was was maybe going to be play the role of Ace. Well, that would have been full oh. horn blower tastic. That would have been great. I've got some good news oh. for you, uh-huh. Joe. Jamie Glover was in Once in Need, Holby City, on the fifth of October, two thousand and four, alongside Hugh Corshi. Awesome. So that's a bona fide half horn blower. So I can I can remember going to bring on bring us on to the next episode. What, one last comment I want to make, and this is one that I don't know, because I know that Doug often goes through the cast list, and that the guy who played Mr. Newbold in this, who I think was a headmaster, is Owen Aronovich, or Aronovich, 
who is the brother of Ben Aronovich, who, as well as writing the Great Rivers of London books, also wrote The Amazing Remembrance of the Daleks, Unlimited Rice Pudding, etc. So before you go on to the next one, well, you and I want to, I thought about this then. Yes. Bring it, bring it, bring it. I'm scared because she, she doesn't tick your box and she can tick my box anytime. Yeah. Who's that rubber song? Come on. I, I so I, the cast of this are all people from Adventures in Space and Time, this sort of dramatised, sort of vaguely right story of how Doctor Who began. So you've already talked about the Doctor, but uh, which I thought he did a, a very good job. I enjoyed him in Adventures in Space and Time and also the Capaldi episodes he was in with the Cybermen and the, you know, the end of the, the regeneration, right up to the first Doctor regeneration scene. Jamie Glover, I thought it was fairly good as um, as Ian. I just I don't know what it was. It's a little bit too received pronunciation for how the actual actresses of the original the original actors were. That was something I was going to say. Is that I feel like a little bit it felt a little bit RP at times. Specifically, I would say the actress that played Susan suffered a little bit from that. Yeah, but they're, they're a little bit too similar voice as well. For I mean, on on TV, they obviously look different, but. You know, the, one or two times I was trying to work out who it was was speaking at the time. But but apart from that, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the story because, you know, it was a run up to the first the first TV story. You had uh, River Song flirting with Ian and it, Ian not knowing how to take it really and being rather <laughs> taken aback by a woman being so forward in 1963, presumably it was based. I, I did enjoy the Ian getting really sort of flustered by the whole River Song and not knowing yeah. whether he's meant to fancy her or Barbara. Yeah, well, he's confusion there, isn't he? You know, he's, uh, he's a big protector of Barbara for the next year and a bit, I suppose, isn't he? Year or two years, whatever it was. As you said, you know, the monster was a bit of a, a nothing in the story. It didn't really appear that much. It was also interesting that Susan was quite quick to realise that Doctor Song was not of this earth as well, and there was something unearthly about her as well. That I thought this was setting up an arc for the, all four, with the whole kind of like, there's a bounty out, there's a group of so there's spectral things master like ooh, okay this is kind of a going through four different stories kind of arc thing and a wee bit disappointed that it did come to nothing spoilers because i thought it'd be quite interesting okay so the big old bounty river's going to be dumping through time and space trying to figure out who is set up the bounty and as this was before i realized that they're all harking back to classic episodes i think at the beginning they were talking about this unusual child that they had in their classes and it was all hinting towards the fact you were going to go well that's obviously susan susan's a weird one and it turned out it wasn't susan that they were talking about it was this other person it's like oh that's quite a nice little switch yeah well, i've got that down as a nice bit of plot misdirection which i was going to mention because uh, they're talking in a pub aren't they ian and barbara and the other teachers are talking to pub and river song turns up and then you're thinking they're talking about susan but they're actually talking about sheila page her unruly foster child friend Another nice bit with uh, River Song and Ian was when she says she's helping out in evenings at the police station, which is an odd thing for a teacher to be doing, you would think. Ian asks, filing? Yes. Yeah. very 1960s. But uh, I'm doing bring this on to what I was going to say, the next one. Yes. Web of, Web time. of time. So I went out to the shops today and got... A classic. So I've not seen it. It's been on my hit list for the longest time. And what listening to this adventure, I'll... Yeah, I really enjoyed. I think it's out the two of them. I say the the middle two are my favourites. This one because it is it is dark, gritty, and I you know it's it's a really really well done piece. And the I say we'll get on to the third one. I just think it was fun. So this is a web of time written by John Dorney. John Dorney is one of the best big finish writers. I think. I think to be fair, Matt Fitton who wrote the first one is also another big favourite. But John Dorney is 
I think, the most consistent of all the big Finnish writers. And this was about Captain Knight, who was portrayed by the original actor, Ralph Watson, who has sadly passed away since that was done. And I thought that this was, as you say, it was a hark back to the web of fear. So what did everybody think? The only downside of the whole story was that Ralph sounded obviously quite a lot older than he was in the original. He sounded like a much older... Yeah, I'll give you that. I thought that was... ...member of the forces, which is nothing to, nothing to do with his acting. It's presumably there's only so much he could do with your voice. But other than that, weaving in... Yeah. Uh, this one was right up your street then. This was right up my underground street, yes. Yeah, I really, I really like this one. If, if anything, it was... I was trying to figure out like what was going on here because I would actually started Wikipediaing and or Hooverpediaing as this was going on. Because like, hang on, this is all making a bit a bit of sense. Like the great intelligence, I know them. What's oh, that's what this is. And then I just really just kind of sat in and thought, I don't know how this story plays. I know where the the plot points go because obviously with again new Who and old Who, the great intelligence doesn't come back for the longest time, and then played by Richard E. Grant, which was just delicious casting. What I found with the the, the River Song in general, let's focus on her for a little bit, is that she kind of flirts, quips, and just kind of just like just rivers her way through the through whole situations and just kind of carries on. This is the first one, uh, probably out of all the times I've ever seen her on TV and on audio, and she gets really called out for in 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 the same sort of way the doctor gets called out for like you know buggering off all the time, but then this is her getting called out for being glib about human about life in general and just being able to kind of skirt responsibility she was absolutely taken to task by Ben Knight I thought it was a really fascinating listen and say okay yeah and just how she dealt with that and obviously was we always knew she was never going to bug her off well I mean he's a Captain Knight's quite a you know a senior officer in the army so you know he's got he's used to talking authoritatively to anybody really well certainly people in the army but also presumably at this time members of the public who he's trying to clear from the area so i think it was a good character to do that to to river song obviously the web of fear is also the first time we get to meet the brigadier but one interesting little fact that i didn't know that i discovered when looking into this episode the audio episode is that originally nicholas courtney was cast to play knight however the person that was meant to play colonel lethbridge stewart gave up the role to accept another offer of work and Douglas Camfield promoted Nicholas Courtney to play Lethbridge Stewart and then brought in Ralph Watson to play Captain Knight. So it could have been Nicholas Courtney playing that role. We'd totally different brigadier. I'm quite glad we didn't get. That's wild. Yeah, you would never have had Nicholas Courtney as a brigadier in future episodes, then, would you? No, and, and you know, Nicholas Courtney is, is without a doubt the brigadier, although John Coleshaw's doing a pretty good job at the moment. It's just a thing that an entire like beloved character as a brigadier could have been someone completely different. I, 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 I hear stuff like casting and stuff like that, and it just blows your mind. Like you could have a completely different experience. So again, yeah, it was a good story. It was obviously set in amongst the time that London is evacuated in the Web of Fear. I yeah, I think it was good to see River Song, as you say, getting kind of called out and also not getting away with her usual way of doing things. It was a it was a strong cast as well. I thought Catherine Drysdale, who played Erin, thumbs up from me. She's fab. She is. She's in. Is she in Bridgerton? I think she is. is. She? I, I I know her from. Well, she was in Love and Monsters as well. Love and Monsters, 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 and Two Pints, which I didn't really like very much. I was going to say I also know her, but I like her, so I watched it. That makes sense. I mean, there's a few. Two Pints actors have appeared in Doctor Who, given there's not many Two Pints actors. Sheridan Smith. 
Because Sheridan Smith is obviously Lucy Bleeding Miller. Ralph Little. Ralph Little was in one of the New Who episodes. Was he? He was one. He's he's been wanting to, wanting to be in it for years. So and he's obviously now in Death in Paradise, which is also good. He's seen Death in Paradise. Yeah, lot lots of grisly murders in the in Guadeloupe. Lovely. Nice. Most popular program on BBC, isn't it? Or used to, it was recently. No, that wouldn't surprise me. It's consistently good. It's it's a bit like Doctor Who, and they keep regenerating the lead character, and it works fine. Keeps going. But no, I thought this was a really good episode. And I know that Doug also liked his trivia. So I'm going to I'm gonna try and get him again. Here we go. Do you know what was special about the person who played the great intelligence in this? this the person who played it in the audio drama? Yeah. I'm looking at the list of names because I haven't done that until now. Sam Clements. I'm presuming he might be a son, grandson, relative of Brian Clements, the writer. Well done! He is the son of Brian Clement, the creator of the Avengers TV series, amongst other great things. Great TV writer. Yeah. Well done! I'm quite quite impressed that you were able to... Well, if I'd known his name, I wouldn't have guessed that. It's only the surname. That oh, no, there's no way you'd have known any other way. But I think then the, the overall thoughts are that everybody enjoyed the second episode. Yes, Doug definitely. Especially enjoyed it. Yeah, well, it, it was just very enjoyable with lots and lots of stuff linked into the story that's yet to come. And, I, you know, the the, the 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 two Cockney ladies were just a bit of a, well, just a, a way to get River Song in, really, weren't they? They didn't appear massively in it. They did a little bit. It's a little bit of intelligence taking people over. Yeah, it just, it just tied in nicely with the web of fear, I thought. I think that's when this, this did really well. And I guess the, these next three ones do is that, again, it gives you more context and more kind of plot or more story to obviously an episode that's 50 years old. So it gives you another re- a fresher look at a, an old story. Well, I was really interested key. to see what you guys, Chris and Joe in particular, would think of it. Because, I mean, I, yeah, so I was too young to see this story when it was originally broadcast. But I enjoyed it so much I went and bought the actual original. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. the, 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 the two versions on DVD and I, I would have read the Target book way back in the day. So I knew the story, albeit, you know, having not watched it for... Probably a couple of years was the most recent time I watched it. Mm. Um, so I couldn't remember exactly what happened to Captain Knight at the end of the Web of Fear. But, uh, but none of the other characters, as they explain, appear in, in the Web of Fear. So. But anyway, it was, it just, there were just so many nice little touches of the things, like, like in all of these stories, that link into the, the episodes they're, they're leading up to. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things that was quite nice is like they, how well, the way they structured the episode of fitting it into a web of fear and that like only one woman survives this, this encounter. And it was very much kept hammering that, that plot, mm. that plot home in that. And she's not even part of the story that we've had on the audio. So, well, yeah, it's like, again, it's, so it's making this story fit the facts of the original and at the same, but without, dis- again, they've taken so much time to not disturb the web of time and stuff like that. So to, to, Make things too. Everything has to has to play out the way it does because that's the flow of time. I think they've, they've even River says tonight, like if this doesn't happen the way it does happens now, then unit doesn't get formed, and like there's it, the ramifications that coming off the back of this episode are are massive, which is which is nice. Yeah, I mean, it's a big. I mean, you know, those these first two really are. You know, if if Susan had got eaten by the yeah. monster or whatever. You know, would would the rest of the stories have happened? Would the teachers have still come to see where she lived now because Susan had disappeared? And here, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have had, as we've discussed, the Brigadier wouldn't have gone on to, to bigger and better things and uh, been a big feature of the third Doctor and the fourth Doctor reader. So I think they showed a couple of good stories here to, to link River Song into. 
Joe, I think I think it's, instead of saying that Chris was wrong, I think I'm going to have to admit that I was wrong. What I thought Doug was going to think of this. We were wrong. We were, we were wrong. I, uh, Joe and I were chatting this week, and we were like, we really liked it. Doug's going to hate it. Yeah, I was feeling particularly <laughs> bad because I hadn't realised how how strong your feelings were in that for that particular or not. In that particular case, yes, I didn't realise. And then to say, yeah, I'm going to give you four of these, Doug. I did actually feel quite, uh, you know, I hadn't intended that, but I'm glad that it wasn't quite as torturous as it might have been. Well, I, yeah, I really did think oh, this is going to be a struggle for me. You know, one, one, two disc story I was thinking would be a would be a nightmare. Then when I realised it was four discs worth of stories, <laughs> really, really, really sad. It sends you right off the deep end. I'm not sure I even looked at the titles before I started listening to them to to even get an idea that they might be linked into the Doctor. So I, I wouldn't have these completely just listened to the story and taken it for what it was. And obviously, you know, with my background and all the, the old Who, fairly much straight away in each of these stories, I knew, where, you know, you look at the titles, Web of Time and Unearthly Women, and you know, if you look at those, then they, they obviously tie into certain stories. But the next one, Peep Show, would be less obvious. And then what was the last one called? It's called The Talents of Greal. Well... Marcus Greel, I would have known the name of. And Talons of Wang, it's sort of hint of the Talons of Wang Chiang. I'd have probably guessed that when I looked at it. But I thought, well, I'm just going to go into this completely because I didn't think they'd be, they'd be linked into the, the, the classic Doctor Who. So it, it, was, it was good because I um, uh, came, came in quite quickly knowing where this story was going. I think, well, we'll just see how annoying River Song is. And she, well, she doesn't appear as much in some of the stories as in other stories. And, and I mean, some of the free, the first time I listened to it, I, I thought one of these stories had an awful lot more mentions of my, my husband and, thing, and, you know, and all the things that what I kind of remember the TV. But listening back to them a second time, I've actually listened, I think, all the third time now, just to take some notes because the first two times were both, Commutes on car, but you know it was it was it was an interesting listen for me, and I'm glad I think that you chose this set because I have a feeling that not all River Song stories tie in with classic Doctor Who stories, and probably quite a lot of them tie in with nothing from the Who TV catalogue. Stuart will be able to tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I think something like the the there's usually some. In each box set, there's usually something that relates back to Doctor Who in some way, shape, or form. Classic Doctor Who, or David Tennant era Doctor Who, or something. So there's usually something. But this one, when Joe spoke about doing a River Song, and we kind of narrowed it down to this one, or the one that had all the masters, and I think I'd also suggested the one that was set in the third Doctor time period. So given that you hadn't enjoyed the masters one, well, individual masters would probably be all right, I think. It's just the mass of masters was the problem. Masters, <laughs> masters, like that. To be honest, I had no idea that they were actually tied to actual other stories in, in any form. So I feel that they did stand up independently if you had no real knowledge of that. So I, I think that I would. it does make me want to go and now watch or, or listen, depending on what, you know, what was actually happening around these how they were inspired but yeah that isn't it didn't pass me by entirely but i didn't realize they were actually tied to other episodes that's all i gotta say i should have noticed that but i just didn't but yeah i think that that's what made it for me was if, if we'd had i mean from the the three choices that you were given any of the three would probably have been fine for mm. me if they're all like this set well well written as this set and are similarly you know characterized with with river song not being too over the top yeah how I would think of any of the other sets, because this is set six, I think, isn't it? So there's obviously at least another three that have no classic Who 
links. It'd be interesting. I'd be interested to listen to one of those, mm-hmm. and I would definitely listen to at least one of these episodes, if not more of them, more times in the future when I want to be cheered up. And oh, this is not what you expected me to be saying. No, it's not. This is quite a no, quite would... a, a coup, really. I think. Well, and I can tell you what it is. It's because it's linked to the classic series, I guess. Yeah, that helps. Because, because I mean, you know, I might not have great memories of the detail of all these stories, so I don't just watch them that often. But you know, I've got a good enough idea from reading stuff and watching stuff over the everything about you know how these stories link in. I, I was really interested to know you know what you and Chris thought about them because it sounds like you haven't w- watched any of the stories these four link into. Not me. Well, other than Earthly, Unearthly Child, I hadn't seen either of these. Yeah. So on Unearthly Child, you only want to need to watch that one episode, the very first episode, because the rest of that three episodes have got nothing at all to do with the story that we just... Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I think we'll come to it, but I think that the fourth story ties in more to the TV episode than any of the others. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's the one I haven't watched in quite a few... It must be eight years since I've watched the Talons of Wang Chiang, so... It's slightly problematic in certain aspects of it, but it's an amazingly good episode. And yeah. So should we move on to Peep Show? On to Peep Show, which is... No. Peep Show is by Guy Adam. Who I found out is playing the voice of the angry dude. I just want to just... I, I did a bit of research on this one because I had no context. He's the Ogron. Angry, angry guy. You, I had absolutely... You don't even know what an Ogron is, do you? I assume that's... <laughs> No, Ogron is an angry well, dude. He's, he's a very angry dude. I don't even know what an Ogron is. I, <laughs> you failed. I was I was going to ask this question of the next episode, really, but it, it ties in quite nicely to this one as well. I think I do wonder what you made of Mister Sin and the characters in this story and the next story, because if you've never seen them, the, the voices. I mean, I, I think the voice sounds. Gives you an idea of what you expect Ogrons to say because they don't say a lot from what I remember in any of the TV episodes. I mean, the big, the big gorilla type things, aren't they? Yeah, they're just massive, great, muscly, well, henchmen for the Daleks, basically. Hulking angry dudes. And, well, there were a bit comedy in this, really. <laughs> Mind you, well, this whole episode comedy was... episode yeah. of all the four episodes <laughs> on here. This was the comedy episode. I think, depending on how you took the comedy, it could either be a, an episode you hated or an episode you really liked. And I really liked it, actually. I was quite surprised how much I enjoyed the comedy part. Three, three out of four, guys. It's three out of four. Yeah. No, it's going well and so far. There was, a classic, there was a classic quote, which I've got to, got to read out. River Song asked Didsworth, who was the, the, the guy in the... Well, I haven't talked about the story yet, but he basically he was, she asked him if he was narrating his life. And I just thought that is that just sums up every audio we ever listened to. <laughs> All of the characters are basically narrating parts of their life so that we can understand what they're saying. Well, that's the thing you bring that up because I was going to bring that up too because that is the thing that Joe said about Storm Warning. Yeah. I just like that, just like, ah, love that. Anyway, the Ogrons are big, ugly, thick monsters, Chris. We're on Day of the Daleks 22 with John Perry. So they appeared not long before this story was broadcast. This would be their second appearance, probably, in the timeline of Third Doctor. Yeah, so I I came into this after a long shift at work, and it was a bit of an, an it was an annoying shift. It's just like drudged, and just want to came come home. And I'd said, obviously, I'll do one a night until until we record. And this was just the bomb I needed. It was just such a lovely, fun, stupid, silly, bonkers. I mean, Dan Dan Star. I was going to say Zach Starkey, but he's the drummer for the Who. No, yeah, he was definitely not in it. Huh? 
No, he was definitely <laughs> not in it. No, but Strag, no, not the voice of Strag is dead. Dan Starkey was there. I was like, yes. Oh my god, I I adore his Stontarans. Whatever one he plays, it's gonna be gold. Whether it be Strax or just another goober, like yeah, bring it on. Here for Stontarans. My, my heart fell when I was Dan Starkey on Dan Starkey is just co- he's just comedy Stontaran usually. Doug, you're wrong. You're wrong. He's a brilliant. <gasps> oh, oh, Chris is telling someone they're wrong. What's going on? You're wrong. Again, you never grew up with what the Sontarans were like in the 70s and the original series. Because the, the comedy element of them in, what was it, the second 10 series season they appeared first? Interestingly, that's something Flux did, was take them back to a more menacing Sontaran a bit. Yeah. So I think this story does as well. But when he first started talking, I thought, oh, no, here we go. We've got a comedy Didsworth, which is fine. But if we're going to have comedy Sontarans as well, it is going to work. Especially with, with the sort of non- Non comedy or non meant to be comedy, Ocron, but they are just comedy. Yeah, it's because this is a prequel to Carnival of Monsters. Carnival of Monsters, which ah, no, is, is it a, no, is it a sequel? As in, like a direct, it's, it's, it's happened directly at the end of the episode, it's happening in parallel with the, the story, I guess. Yeah, they, 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 Carnival of Monsters, they're in this mini scope, which is what River Song and Didsworth are in, and Didsworth, one of the people who's been trapped in the. The miniscope. The miniscope's a thing, I don't know what size you'd say it was, it's about three feet high, a little sort of tube, three feet high, that people can see what, you know, different places with different monsters alike. It's, well, it's a peep show with monsters, which I think is what, how they describe it in the episode. But the doctor's supposed to, as I think they say in the episode, have emptied the, emptied the miniscope before disabling it. But he hasn't, he doesn't know about the recycle bin. I thought that's quite a nice little touch. But then in 1973, none of us have had a recycle bin because it wasn't a thing in 1973, and neither was an HDMI output. But this is set in the future, so I'll forgive them both of that. But, but it's interesting that the last one persuaded Chris to buy Web of Fear. I would imagine this wouldn't convince you to buy Carnival of Monsters in the same way. Yeah, because I don't think what grabbed me with Web of Fear is the intricacies of the storytelling, how one informs the other and it weaves together like a web. This one, I kind of liked this being on its own and liked how it stood on its own. It just happened to be at the tail end of a third Doctor episode and didn't necessarily impact his episode or whatever story he was on. And I'm sure I'll get around to watching it eventually, but I said I enjoyed this one on its own so much that the Digsworth was just brilliant. The quintessential British comedy sort of like classic they say Douglas Adams callbacks that sort of just wants a cup of tea or something he just wants to does, he's just a, a goober and just doesn't know what he's wanting to do like what what was he to tell us he says no River's like if I tell you if I tell you I'm a time traveler will you can will you scream again like most likely he had so many great lines in this story yeah he was undoubtedly the best character in the whole story apart from the character at the very end I was going to ask what your thoughts on that final cameo were. I bet you that brought a smile to your face. And, and in particular, that well, do you want to talk about it now or do you want to talk about it when we get to the end of the? I've got I, again. I did a wee bit of research on this one. I've got a one. Li- I've got a one little note. Go on. That this would be canonically, if you were thinking about it, the first appearance of the Santarans before Time Warrior. You yes, that would. This was this was a year before the Time Warrior. That would that is a nice little fact. Well done, Chris. Yeah, I'm impressed. Chris got that because I have that one down. Go to the top of the class. 
And I didn't buy the DVD. I think I, I think one of the issues you've got is because in Carnival Monsters, the Doctor and Joe appear on a ship on the ocean. I think that's the very start of the, the story. And it's like a time loop. Things just keep going round and round and round. And the, 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 the ship that they're on is, a, a 90, is it an 1800s ship, I think. Something like that. And it keeps getting attacked by a monster. But none of the crew remember being attacked by the monster. And one of the people on it is the guy who becomes, is Ian Martin, who becomes Harry Sullivan in Tom, Tom Baker's year. Yeah. So, but they didn't, re- I mean, they, they, I think they, in the audio thing, they did hint about the fact that you just they go through the same life and that they, you forget about stuff. And it's very, you know, it's like a 30 minute little thing that people see. But I, I think if you've seen, if you've seen the TV story, it makes a lot more sense what's, what's going on on there. And then the doctor basically gets off the ship and gets out of the mini scope and, and then it's going to reset it. But you don't know anything about the battery that's powering it, which is what it's called again. It was the Eternity, the Eternity battery or something. The Eternity, Eternity Perpetua mini model battery, which is what, what that's the reason River's there because and this is the Douglas Adams thing, isn't it? That cut away out of business really quickly because they made these batteries that last forever. So once people had them, they didn't need to buy a second one, which to me was definitely a, a Douglas yeah. Adams. Just the obsession with stationary equipment in the cupboard at the start of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reams, okay. you know, reams of A4. Tiger Tiger in stationary cupboards does feel quite Douglas Adams. Out of all of them, I think this was the most accessible one to any non-Hoovian. So if you were to come in and say, right, you've got, I know little about the Who... So give, give me something that I'll enjoy. Peep Show. Not the Channel 4 Peep Show, but this episode of Peep Show, because, yeah, still watch Peep Show. I did think there was a very funny moment. It was River Song being River Song in quite a nice way. I liked how she was caught out quite a lot of the time. She's always on the back foot. And again, you don't really see her that in that sort of situation a lot of the times, certainly on the TV show. She's always, one, she's always the one in the know and in charge or taking control of the situation. So to be constantly on the back foot, getting chased around from room to room, cell to cell, with all these other nonsenses and angry dudes going around, dumplings with guns. It's just like, and then, would you turn up at the end on a dragon or something? It, it just, it, 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 the ending did kind of get away from us a little bit, just because it, it got a bit loud and bangy. It went a bit crazy, didn't it, with a spoon? Yeah. Defeating a star. <laughs> Not even a spoon, a teaspoon of all things. The one sound effect that made me think that's just out of place was, but he was dinging the teaspoon against something, which sounded like a teacup, but he's wrapped up in a bit of metal. So did he have a teacup in his pocket as well to ding the spoon against? I suppose that brings us towards the end of this episode, where, as we said, there was a bit of a cameo, which I'm sure brought a big smile to Doug's face. What? The third Doctor, Tim. Good old Tim, doing a good version of John Petty. Yeah, no, it was, it was a nice little cameo as well, because I wasn't expecting it. And, well, for those who haven't listened to this story, River Song basically puts down the, what they call them, the thing that's that's holding all the the, uh, the compressed monsters that are in the, in the in the device and so that the doctor, so she, she could point it out to the doctor because so she comes up behind him and the doctor's asking for Joe to hand him a tool from toolbox he's using to take the thing apart or turn it off or whatever he's trying to do. And he gets handed the correct tool, which is definitely not what Joe would have done. So he's a bit surprised and he turns around and he finds River Song and it was... It was nicely done. Nice little cameo at the end. And uh, oh yeah, she she also said, yeah, he was still of the quiet. Yeah. He goes on and on and on. And Jude walked off because go and do something more interesting instead. Soliloquising, thank you. So you wonder if maybe that's another reason that she left in the Green Death that she'd had enough of being talked down to. On the whole, then Peep Show was met with success. Everyone enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 
I think of the four, unlike you, Stuart, it's maybe the one I'd listen to most, just because it's just such a romp, and that River doesn't get featured as much in it. It's interesting that you said what you said about her, uh, and maybe that's why I've enjoyed these, because I don't think in any of these she's very much like what she was in the New Who episodes. I, I mean, I guess the problem is that River is such an over-the-top character that she's got to be that way in order to contrast with the Doctor, but you take your Doctor away and it would be too much. Yeah, so I might enjoy any of her stories that don't involve the Doctor, you know, the, the more modern Doctor. I mean, these stories, they, they haven't really involved the Doctor. They've, they've, he's met two of the four Doctors that these stories cover. are not very, you know, in one scene each. So, you know, it's just minimal. And they are, I think, Doctors before. Well, I can't remember because she's a bit, she's really confusing, isn't she? Because she, she married the Doctor, but she's going in reverse to him. So I, I think that just confused me as well because I wasn't really paying much attention. And then, and I didn't realise, I, I went, the Radio Times are the thing that popped up on Facebook of the, all the episodes she'd been in. And somebody else paid River Song in a couple of the episodes, or at least one of the episodes as well. Well, blue timey wimey. Well, that, yes, that would, well, the uh, Mel, character who played Mel, who regenerated into River Song. Used up all her regeneration energy to bring him, bring Doctor back. Yeah. Which was hinted at in one of these episodes, which is really quite nice. You've run out of your regeneration energy. Like, huh, says you. Bringing us on to the last episode of the bot, The Talents of Greel, which, as contrary to what Chris says, is the best one on the set. I didn't like it as much. But for a variety of reasons, this was my favourite. Anything with Henry Gordon Jago in, I love, I just love the character of Jago. I have gone through 13 series of Jago and Lightfoot on Big Finish. They're all brilliant. And the talents of Wang Chiang, despite being a little problematic in the yellow face that they use quite prominently, and it is truly one of the best Doctor Who serials, if you can get past the fact that it's quite problematic. It's, it's historically one of the, the top. I don't know, top three stories or votes of all of the classic Who, isn't it? I don't know where rates compared to all the newer Who if you add them all together. But As such, I just really enjoyed it. It did play very much into the talents of Wayne Chiang, the Mr. Sin, the Magnus Greel. And this is the one I thought, I think I said earlier, would have been, in my mind, the toughest one to get on with. And it's maybe why you didn't like it as much, Chris, if you haven't seen... This one hinged more on the episode than any of the others, I think. Yeah, most definitely. And then that, again, as you alluded to there, it kind of, the end of this audio, well, you, you again, spoilers, insert Alice Kingston, you hear the TARDIS materialise. So it's literally a continuation of this, the story. And again, I just, I, I had no context for it. So I just went, what was, what was, I was going to start as a possible Jack the Ripper story with laser beams. Cool. That would have been fun. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's, it's something completely different. Again, I wasn't invested in any of the characters as much as the other ones. I, guess it was, I thought it was a slower pace. But again, if you have context for Wang Shiang, you're fully invested. You know where this is going. You've got... It's a, it's a direct prequel. Yeah, but if you don't I mean, know the sequel, then you're kind of stuffed. I, I think when I say you're wrong, I'm being harsh. Because, I mean, you are wrong. But it's not your fault you're wrong. This is like, yes, well, tell him, tell him he's wrong, but do it nicely, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just... It, really helped to have seen the talons of Wang Chiang because yeah. I think I love it because I love and as I say I have 13 series of Jago and Lightfoot I've loved through Big Finish as well which has brought the character of Jago so every time I hear him I just get a smile on my face because I just know what he's like and I really like him and I think if you don't have that going in he's a bit of a blundering character and he doesn't you don't have that baggage and that's so I think I do understand why that's more difficult to get but that then but when you say that and again, I've given my opinion there. 
I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying I enjoyed the least out of all of them. No, no, I, I yep, get that. But what what I did what I did enjoy was his bumblingness, his is is almost like yeah, his bumbling affableness. You, you we all know that sort of that the, the acting when he he does a song with River on the stage, and it's like yeah, you know what, you're just you're just a goon, but in the best way possible. You just want to just like you want to see him succeed because he's just, he tries. He's clearly a lovely guy. Just trying to do some cool acting, but I, I think you guys. I, I'm not not surprised. I, I Jill hasn't said what she thought of it yet, but I'm not at all surprised that it was uh, the least favorite one for you, Chris. Because if you haven't seen Towns of Wang Chang and you had no idea what Mister Sin looked like or what what the characters go on to, it was very difficult to to get a proper feel for this. And I mean, yeah. you know, at the time, I mean, and I and lots and lots of people who watched Towns of Wang Chang at the time. Henry Jago was one of the outstanding characters in it. Now you don't get there, his partner Lightfoot, who was a more I think was he a detective? He was a doctor. Doctor, that's what it was. Yeah, they were a comedy team really in the talent. The six episodes of Talents of Wang Chang and Tom Baker was dressed as Sherlock Holmes, so it was it was a Sherlock Holmes that sort of an era story. Yeah, really, it was that that period of time where every Tom Baker story was a you know a ten out of ten story or a nine out of ten story. Oh, sort of ham horror sort of stuff. Well, yeah, all based on stuff, you know, films that people had seen, but give it a nice Doctor Who twist. And, you know, had there been Sailor Jane Adventures type spin-off shows then, which I guess there were a few years... No, it must have been about that time, actually. K9 and Company was it was kind of failed, but you know, you could have had a spin-off series with Jago and Lightfoot back then, I think, because they were really popular on the just from that one story. And then, of course, they never came back until they finished that doing the audios. But I mean, Mr. Sin is is homunculus, I think is what they call him. He's a little, uh, you need to watch Talons of Wang Chan having, uh, yeah. buy that next, Chris. Okay, yeah, that's Definitely nice. enjoy Talons of Wang Chan. <laughs> On a boss. And this story will make a lot more sense to you once you see what the characters are like. Yeah, because I think, I think, yeah. And it, it kind of hinted at that the, there's something going to, or you know, the, the work that's happening is going to affect animal life and there's, the most cringe. I mean, if you get the Blu-ray version, apparently it looked much nicer if you choose the digital effects. But this is some. There's a one very, very brief scene with a, a giant rodent in the sewers that is cringe-worthy. It's the it's the one. Well, it's the one down part of that story. They had a life-sized thing in a life-sized sewer set that didn't look at it. They had you know model sets with live rats in, and then they had a live you know an actual with the people in Lee's Jameson and uh, Leela. And it was it was the low point of the story, but it was you know it was yeah it was the the, the money they had for effects. But uh, I think yeah, not not seeing Magnus Greel. So uh, I think his face is described as a war injury or whatever, but it's actually a warped face in the episode that you don't see until I think it's probably the, what, near the end of the very last episode or a cliffhanger at the end of episode five, I think, which is behind a mask. And he's because I think River Song comments about his cape and he's got this big leathery sort of type of suit on to cover them. So uh, you know, it all makes so much more sense. You yeah. Sounds of Wang Chang. So I'm fully with you if, if you couldn't get behind it because, you know, all the other, I mean, the Ogrons, you didn't, you, you didn't know what an Ogron was like either, but I think these characters... They're certainly described in such a way. They were more more important part of the, the story, maybe, or a more important part of the next story because, you know, this kind of, it's linked into it and it leads up to it. And as you say, the TARDIS appears at the very end of it. So, it, you know, it reads directly into it. I think I would probably agree. I'm going to agree with you as well, Doug, in that this is one of the ones where River felt the least involved and unnecessarily so. 
because again, not, not to say I didn't enjoy Alex Kingston being there. She was great. She's a, and the whole song and dance thing was a really good fun. Again, with it's a double-edged sword of having not got context for the episode and then River not having much to do. It's just a bunch of other people just having a drama about missing girls and stuff like. Oh, kid, there is a mystery here, but can we can we go look at the mystery, please? Can we go do something with that and not have it to set up an episode that I have not seen? I guess there were probably more characters in this one than there were in the previous one, which is why River gets a bit less time. I would say she still gets a reasonable amount of time, but there are other characters. I mean, she gets, you know, that song and dance routine with Jago. That was just priceless. Worth it just for that. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying, that maybe she didn't get much time as she might have done in some of the episodes, but there was just a lot to, to fit in. Yeah. A lot of it was, you know, leading into, into the main story as well, more so probably than any of the other three stories in this box set. I do think the context would have been really helpful for this one because I really wanted to like it, but I was struggling, maybe similar to Chris, without the previous, without the context, shall we say. And I like the Fez inclusion, however. That's my contribution, hugely deep for this. It's not what I expected. I expected a four-story loose arc that started off in the first one with this mysterious bounty that would lead her through various other whether it was the episodes or tie-ins or just tying into other doctors and then concluding at the end with the big reveal being, I don't know, the master or something, or just something that led to something through four stories. That's what I was expecting. Didn't get it. I would say I'm mildly disappointed, but we're talking minuscule mildly because what we got was still a lot of fun and absolutely worth it. Again, to get those, again, those middle two episodes, Web of Fear, a tie-in and Peep Show, Carnival of Monsters tie-in, wonderful stories, absolutely brilliant. And then just having the Earthly Child there is just a really fun Easter egg hunt. It's really good fun. We've gone into the context of the, the fourth one, and I'll leave it at that before Stuart shouts at me and called me wrong again. No, I, I think we've established that whilst you might be wrong, you have every reason to be wrong on this one. It's not your fault. Now, I, I totally get if you haven't watched uh, Talons of Wayne Chiang that you will not have the affection of these characters and I think it may be more than any of the other ones relies on you having affection for Jago to, to, to sort of see through. I don't know if it's an amazing episode because I was just too busy enjoying Henry Gordon Jago being in something again. So I think that maybe that's a fair point that if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a different experience for you than for me. You did need to watch Talents of Wayne Chiang. Oh, get on it. Doug, if you enjoyed the audio, the, the sing-along bit with River, you need to listen to Jago and Lightfoot meet the Scorchies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I dread to think how bad that sing-along is going to be. It's exactly as you'd expect. Yeah, I really liked it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit like Doug, actually, if I'm being completely honest. I wasn't sure how much I'd get on with River Song on audio. But from the very first box set, I've actually really enjoyed them. So I think, I've said it before, I think Big Finish often have some of the best Doctor Who writers, maybe even often better than the TV. And I think they've got River Song in a place that's much much more enjoyable. She's more comfortable. It's more so, comfortable I, there. Yeah. Can I ask, you probably have a much better idea than I do, how popular is River Song with New Who fans? Is she popular or is she... I think she is yeah. quite think big she fan. Is popular. Yeah. She's yeah. popular She's... enough a set of audio adventures for her. Uh, and they've done a lot of them. You know, some of the audio adventures, they've only done a few. It, I'd say she's up. I'd say she's up there with the John Barmans and, and that sort of that sort of level. It's like a really kind of a core fan base in their own right. It's up there again with Missy and stuff. It's just it's such a 
as as a fan watching new who new who shows it was the first well the second great mystery after bad wolf and like who is again what was set up in an episode of doctor who written by moffat but not direct not to show, show running ended up lasting you know 10 like 8 years worth of of storytelling i'm going to i'm going to throw something out there as well i think this is my prediction i think we're going to see a back in the Russell T era. Interesting times. I, I think I think he, he's he's going for a lot of the older stuff. I think he's going, that we'll see in some way, shape, or form. I think we'll see Riverstone back. So uh, I really liked it. So Doug, you I we I think we've got that you liked it, but does this make four out of four for you? I thought they were all excellent, yeah. And I, I think because it was all linked to classic who made me think that more than if it had been other. But I would definitely be interested to hear a set of the stories that don't have any classic doctors and see how I compare those with these. And I think it's it's maybe the writers as well, because I enjoyed the writing of all of these. About a couple of minutes into the first episode, I thought, oh, I might actually not really hate this as much as I <laughs> thought I might have done. And then by, certainly by a couple of minutes into the second one, I thought, okay, so the first one was all right. There was some some sort of references to, you know, the TV stuff that, but not, not overly done. And then when we got into the third one with Dibsworth, then I, I thought, oh, give me one of these comedy episodes. I'm I'm not really sure about this. We'll see how it goes. But I enjoyed it. And, I, I, you know, listening back to it, I think maybe it is because it's a bit more, well, I don't really thought Arthur Dent, but, and he's not really an Arthur Dent type because Arthur Dent's not a, not a, a man who's got lots of karate and uh, three different martial arts or whatever. <laughs> we do three times of karate. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought well, the next one's probably gonna be all right as well then, <laughs> and it was. And but uh, uh, to me, it's because I've you know I've grown up with these stories over about forty years, whatever it is, fifty years almost, in some of them. So to me, I mean, I, there was probably references I didn't get in there because I wasn't paying enough attention. But you know, I knew the backstory enough to know exactly where these fitted in and where the characters fitted in. And you know, I had a massive smile on my face. I would say. After the Annihilators, this is the second best. Oh, high praise. You can see why I didn't want to say much at the start. I can't oh, see, I can see it. Yeah, even the best. Well, I mean, I, I would, I've listened to them all three times, some of them more than that, because I was trying to, think, trying to sort of keep it in my mind because I first listened about a few days after we first got them, after the last recording. So, and then we were never going to do this until, well, whenever. So I, I've played them a couple of times just to keep them fresh in my mind, but I've never had a chance to sit down and type many notes down about apart from the first one until today. So I didn't quite get enough time to type them in. Otherwise, I would probably have a bunch more comments to tell me. Well, well done, Joe. You've you've chosen one, and we say Joe and I both thought you were going to hate this. Yeah, well, I, I knew that, and I, I knew as soon as I listened to nice the, to be proven the second wrong. episode that you guys were going to be so shocked. Well, <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. So our next one is going to be a. International Women's Day special. So we will be doing the 8th of March, the big finish one. So we look forward to seeing you all then. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Janet. Not for me. Together on three. One, two, three. <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who. The 8th of March. This evening, the date has been calculated as the 8th of March, 2019. We have been called upon by Dr. Cornelius Pinch. This fine lady is a detective of vast reputation. Good evening. May I take your name, please? Romana Dvorat Rilunda. I'm the Gallifrey and Delegate. Osgoods. 
sorry. But just you try living with someone who's exactly the same as you in every way and see how you get on. Werewolves, my dear. Werewolves? By all accounts. Just an average Thursday, then. Archaeologist, orphan, born 21st June 2540. Strong mind, very noisy. Who are you and what is this? The ship's currently in a low orbit just above central London. Just getting a fix on the exact coordinates. My book? That's not... Take your book! Who are you? And why are you pretending to be a Time Lord? Who wants to know? The real Romana. (laughs) Get off me, you flying pair of tongs! Ow! Here goes nothing. One, two, three... Big finish. We love stories. I'm just off doing a bit of, well, what you do. Except without a spaceship. Or an umbrella. Or you. Or anybody. 